According to Luke, Now there was a virtuous and righteous man named Joseph, who, though he was a member of the council, had not consented to their plan of action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and was awaiting the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. After he had taken the body down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a rock-hewn tomb in which no one had yet been buried. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come from Galilee with him followed behind and when they had seen the tomb and the way in which the body was laid in it, they returned and prepared spices and perfumed oils. Then they rested on the Sabbath, according to the commandment. Even though I can imagine being with the women after and preparing your body, washing it carefully as the three of us work through our tears, using the softest cloth we can until the water in the basin must be changed because it is so red with your blood. The cloth we are using are smoothing out your skin, which has turned alabaster. Your eyes are gently closed. We carefully wash and wipe away the grime from your hair and replace it with the finest perfumed oils before we gently wrap your face and head in finely woven white linen. Then as carefully we take away the remaining linen, and as your body is wiped clean of all the worldly insults visited upon it today, then it is carefully anointed and wrapped until finally none of your skin is exposed and your body rests there on the ledge, roughly carved in stone. The men have left us alone as we do the women's work of bodily preparation. Yet now they begin to crowd into the small space behind us. Mother weeps still. Her eyes have not been dry in three days. Yet she still weeps, although silently. Magdalene can barely control her anger behind her tears. We stand together in a knot at the foot of your body, seeing the rough outline of your brow, your nose, your chin, your arms, legs, and torso. It is so difficult to believe you no longer inhabit this earthly vessel that the three of us have come to love and know so well. But there is no breath there, no spark of earthly life there. The men are inching closer, especially Peter, whom you call Cephas, and I turn to him and say, Betrayer. Let his mother have her time alone with her son 
before you call him back to your side to seek forgiveness. She deserves that and you know it. Peter and the men withdraw. Mother cradles your head now in her lap, singing softly. Hush, hush, hush. A mother's tune. Magdalene and I hum softly with her now, our arms around her shoulders. The linen on your face has become so wet with her tears that your features have become slightly visible through the cloth. Your face is quite serene and strong, and she smiles gently down on you. My son, my son, my most precious son, my heart will always be your heart, my song, your song, my life, your life. My love for you is eternal from this world through the next. And she leans back against the stone wall and swoons with exhaustion. Let her rest, I say to Magdalene. We can pray here while she does. Amado Padre Dios, this day with your beloved mother, she has borne the pain of a thousand swords. Please, we beseech thee, Lord, ask no more of her, at least for today. Mary's face is set into loving fatigue, and she sleeps with your head still in her lap, her hands on your wrapped brow. Hers has been a greater sacrifice than yours, Father Lord. You know this. She knew the pain of his birth, suckled him at her breast, relished the fragrance of his baby head, watched him crawl, walk, become a strong boy, saw herself in him sometimes. Give her some relief from this day. For although you are his father, you are also the font of self-giving mercy and love. Amen. Many hours have passed and the chamber has darkened. We can hear voices outside rising and falling. We approach Mother. Mother, let us withdraw and let the men vigil. She looks at us beseechingly, but mutely rises and lets herself be led outside the tomb where the sun dares to set. We find a willow tree nearby and lay down our cloaks on the ground. There are cattle nearby and sheep and we hear the comforting animal sounds as they settle in for the night. When mother lies down, she falls instantly into a dreamless sleep. Magdalene lies nearby her for shared warmth. 
but I stay awake for the women's vigil. Now I can hear the men's ritual murmuring for the dead and also hear their shouted muffled cries, hear them striking at their chests. I notice the bird song has begun again as I, I think I hear a faraway nightingale, though muted. The very final rays of the sun paint the sky, a bloody crimson as is appropriate. A small fire, the men were tending, burns slowly down, now ignored. We settle in for a night of vigil. As I think of Mary and her relationship to her son, Khalil Gibran says about children in the Prophet, Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. I think of the stable mother that sent forth the arrow of God. And I wonder. <laughs>